Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on technology and society. Every episode, we upload for you the expertise, insights, and opinions of thought leaders, innovators, and creators on topics at the intersection of technology and society. We'll cover pervasive and emerging technologies that are influencing and impacting our business, education, governments, research, and culture. I'm Jay. I'm Jessica. And I'm John. And we're the co-producers of the Austin Forum Upload. Welcome to this episode of the Austin Forum's Upload podcast, where today we're going to get into the topic of neurotech. And I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Ramona Von Leyden, the Director of Research and Clinical Education at NUFIT. Welcome, Ramona. Thanks very much. I'm very excited to be here. Well, Ramona, we promised our listeners we would cover neurotech this season. And of course, that meant we had to go look up what neurotech was and make sure we had a good grounding <laughs> in it and understanding. But I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners uh, your definition of neurotech and probably, therefore, of neurology first before getting into neurotech. Sure. Uh, let's start with neurology, which makes you know a little easier to transition it than into the definition of neurotech. Um, so the simplest way to think about neurology is it's the branch of medicine that focuses on the nervous system. Um, and perhaps we should take this one step farther and sort of define what the nervous system is. Um, the nervous system is really multiple systems in your body that connect and serve as sort of the communication highway of the body. So that starts from your brain, your spinal cord, you have nerves all over your body. They run to your feet, your fingers, your toes, your mouth, your tongue, etc., And all of those have to communicate with each other. Um, so a good way to think about neurology and the nervous system is your muscles, your bones, all of that, your skin are all really the, the hardware of the, of the body. And then the nervous system is the software. It's the communication system that really runs everything that's going on in your body. Um, so once you've got that down, I think thinking about it in terms of tech, uh, technology is a lot simpler. So neurotech is really using technology um, to interact with the nervous system. I think too, Ramona, it'd be really great if you shared a little bit about your background too. Uh, so my background, um, I have my PhD in neuroscience, which means I did a doctoral thesis on a specific area of neuroscience. My specific research focus and my kind of expertise within the field is trauma to the nervous system and inflammation that relates to recovery from trauma. Um, so that means, I mean, specifically, I look, worked on spinal cord injury and sort of looking at how inflammation that comes in after a spinal cord injury impacts how long it takes to recover and that really how it affects the cells and the function of the nervous system. So luckily that's really what I focused the majority of my sort of background and research on. I've also spent a little bit of time in um, working on traumatic brain injury as well. So I kind of moved up the spine into the brain itself um, and continue to look at inflammation. I think the immune system and inflammation really plays a huge part in how we, we recover from any sort of injury. And injury can be anything from an actual, you know, accident and injury to uh, diseases because it, it, for the nervous system, really diseases tend to be, um, degenerative in that, and that manifests in the same way that an injury does. So my background for about 10, 12 years was very academic. I did lab research. I was, you know, basically imagine the classic scientist at the bench with a, with lab goggles on and a lab coat, 
um, and crazy chemicals everywhere and probably things you shouldn't be breathing in because they, they might kill brain cells. That was me for about 10 years. I worked with you know, big universities like UC Davis. Uh, I was at UT Austin for a fellowship. And I also worked with the US military uh, and worked with some of these populations that were specific to really crazy traumatic injuries that are seen in country and in uh, combat. When I was kind of done with all of my academic training, uh, I wanted to move into sort of being a little closer to working with those patient populations that I got a chance to see working with the military and help at a little bit more personal level. And that brought me actually to NewFit, which uh, as a company, we both make neurotech that is used by physical therapists and practitioners all over the country to help people recover from injuries and diseases. But also we have our own clinic and we see patients here. Um, so it was kind of the perfect fit for my academic background, but stepping a little bit closer and being a little bit in, more in, in the thick of it with people instead of, you know, at the, at the bench. Fantastic. So can you tell us a bit about your tech? I mean, w- w- you know, here in Austin, Texas, we hear about Elon Musk all the time and see things about Neuralink, but neurotech's a big field. And a lot of companies are doing a lot of very different things in it. And as you mentioned in your definition of neurology, the scope of neurology is brain and spine and nervous system connecting to muscles and organs and stuff. What specifically is NuFit's technology? So at NuFit, we make, the, the term is a neuromuscular electrical stimulation device. But that's a really big term and kind of a a crazy thing to think about just from that. So really what we do is we have a device that is a non-invasive tool that allows us to communicate with the nervous system. Many people who've gone through physical therapy have probably interacted with some kind of electrical stimulation device in the past. Many people have heard of like TENS units. Typically they're, they're used for chronic pain. Our device is a little bit different and I'll get a little bit more into the specific tech first, but to give kind of an idea of how it works is when someone has an injury, they're recovering. A lot of times the nervous system can kind of have an overreaction to an injury. It's, it's a protective mechanism by your body. And that overreaction causes a bottleneck. And it almost is like a kink in the hose. If you've got like your nerves, if you think about them as a hose and the, and the communication is sort of the water running through the hose when you have this bottleneck, there's a kink and, and information is just not going each way down that hose. So our system allows us, we can use our tools to scan the body for, and find those overreactions and then focus into those specific locations to make changes that will sort of unkink the hose and allow the body to successfully communicate again. Um, and we do that using direct current electrical stimulation. Uh, so I'm happy to get a little bit more into sort of what direct current is versus what you would see in a more traditional device, uh, if you'd like. Well, you had me at tens units because I actually just pulled my back last week and I was using an electrostim unit on my back. So you have me captivated with, please, can I have one? How is it going to work? This is really right. relevant so, for me. Yeah. So I think it's actually very interesting. So most electrical stimulation devices that you see in the medical space use uh, alternating current rather than direct current. And the reason is um, typically direct current, if you have something, you know, just sending signals in one direction, it builds up chemical charge over time. And so that causes burns. So like when early electrical stimulation devices, direct current was that everybody wanted to use because you can get a lot more input into the system when all the charge is going one direction. However, people would literally get burns on their skin. It's pretty uncomfortable. um, And so that really wasn't a great option. 
Um, so they started using alternating current devices, which does get some input into the skin. However, the alternating current devices also cause um, essentially a co-contraction because you're sending signals both directions. And so often what happens is if you are using an alternating current device, you actually aren't able to move at all when you're using those. And so it can be effective for things like chronic pain, but really it's very limited in what you can do with it because you cannot physically move when you're using one of these devices. Um, the beauty of direct current is that because you don't have that co-contraction, you can actually continue to do movements and allow your brain and your body to retrain itself by doing the movements that you want it to do. And so then of course the question is, well, that sounds great. How do we deal with that charge? Cause I don't want to get burned when I'm going to rehab. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, our CEO and founder Garrett Salpeter, uh, has, he has a patent on this. He, um, he created, basically it's an, a waveform, an alternating waveform that goes over the top of the direct current device and dissipates the heat that would normally charge up and build up at the site. So that allows us to have all that great direct current input without the co-contraction and also avoiding that buildup of charge. So th it sounds great. So tell me even in more layman's terms. So what, so what's the impact? So to you have shifted from alternating current to direct current. Like if I came, come and get that done to me tomorrow, when I call you up and I'm like, Ramona, remember when we talked about it on the podcast, what would I notice as the impact being versus, you know, I've been using my tens unit. Um, okay. So let me ask you a question. Do you, you said you have back pain, right? I do. My sacrum. Do you have back pain in a specific movement? Uh, flexion of, of my sacrum. Okay. So if you were to come in and uh, work with one of our physical therapists who uses our device, which is called the newbie, which uh, stands for neurobioelectric, right? Cause you're working with the nervous system and the body and we're using electricity. Um, essentially that person, your, your practitioner would scan your body and identify the areas that are causing you the most discomfort. And then you would go through those motions that cause you that most, uh, the most discomfort while adding stimulation of the device. And we call the, ter the term that we like to use is neuromuscular re-education. So essentially, uh, the body has this, as I, I mentioned earlier, that there's a protective mechanism when you're injured, but essentially the body's trying to like shut things down. It's keeping everything, you know, from moving. It's trying to maintain sort of as much protection as possible. The problem is that that over time, really, you're, you're never going to get better if you're just staying still, right? It's like when you go through physical therapy, a lot of it is those movements is what retrains the body. And so here we're able to go through those movements. And by adding the stimulation, you're essentially telling the body, Hey, it's okay. Because the stimulation actually acts um, it mimics the same signals that your body would make when things are going well. So we add the simulation and we say, Hey, it's okay to move this way. It's okay to move this way. Like keep reminding it while you do that flexion extension movement. Um, and after, you know, you'd probably do 15 to 20 minutes of work on it. Um, and then go home, rest, recover, you know, make sure to hydrate. And then probably the next day you would be like, wow, I'm able to move. And I have a big, greater range of motion than I did yesterday. And I think in your case might only take one session and you would feel a lot better. But for someone who has something like, you know, uh, has had a really terrible injury or their post-surgery is another thing we can use it for. It may take several sessions, but it's that gradual. I, that's why I like to use that terminology of you're re-educating the body to sort of retrain it, to say, it's okay to do these things again. Like it's safe to do these things. 
And that stimulation helps to teach, to show your body that it's safe. So you mentioned a couple of examples in there. One seemed to be about muscular pain, it seemed like, mm-hmm. and they, but you mentioned post-surgery as well, which I don't normally think of as the pain being muscular. So is it, are you using this for different kinds of pain? Are you using it to, is it mostly about pain reduction? Is it also about uh, strengthening any tissue of any type? So what are the, what's the range of effects that you get? Um, what's beautiful about using a device like ours is that we have the availability of using different frequencies and that actually taps into different tissues. So you can use a device like ours at specific frequencies that are more useful for muscles. And so we have people who actually are personal trainers who use this and actually could do hypertrophy training. So bodybuilding, strength training with our device. And essentially that electrical stimulation um, helps to stimulate those muscles and increase blood flow to the muscles and increase that contraction. So they're actually, you know, if you were lifting a five to 10 pound weight, it would actually make your muscles think it was lifting something much heavier because you have that added uh, input. But if you use, we basically call them training frequencies and rehabilitation frequencies. The rehabilitation frequencies would be more for something like uh, what Jessica's dealing with with her back pain or post-surgery. Surgery is really, although it is very useful, of course, if you have something going on with your body, surgery is an injury to the body. Recovering from surgery is, I mean, you've had a trauma to your body and the fact that some part of your body has been opened up, operated on, there's a wound that has to heal. So essentially it's just the same as you have any kind of injury to your body. It's just post-surgery because you've opened up the body can have both pain and loss of motion because your body is like, I don't want to move. It hurts. I'm scared to to re-injure this. And so in the same way that we approach something um, as simple as low back pain, you would approach post-surgical pain and post-surgical loss of range of motion in the same way you would add input. And that's why I say if somebody was post-surgery, it would probably take more sessions to improve that condition. Um, Whereas if you haven't had any sort of invasive procedure, we might be able to handle it in just a session or two. So are you seeing patients that are, are recommended to you? Are doctors now embracing this as a part of the recovery process? Or are you getting more patients because you're new who are hearing about it from somebody and maybe their own general practitioner doctor doesn't know about you yet, but, but somehow they heard about you and they're deciding to give it a try. How are you getting most of your patients right now through standard means in healthcare or through sort of people discovering you? Um, It's a little bit of a mix. And so um, we are, we're kind of in an interesting place as a company. Um, At this point, we have a lot of early adapters in other clinics outside of our own that are using this. However, you know, we're not by any means have moved on to like the majority of clinics using it. Um, Physical therapists for the most part, because physical therapists have been working with electrical stimulation for a long time, those tend to be the people that use our device the most and they will use it in their own clinic. So a physical therapist can purchase our device. We have training for them to learn how to use it with their patients and then they can go and apply that in their own clinic and make it, you know, another offering in their clinic. Um, for we are now working with several MDs 
to, and that's part of my job is to expand sort of the research side because we are a young company and young tech and figure out what our device can do. Um, Cause I think we've only just started to tap into that. And so then working with those MDs, the goal would be um, actually, we have one study that we're about to start with a, a um, plastic surgeon here in Austin, who he is going to refer patients who've gone through tummy tuck surgeries. So it's, um, which is basically, you know, it, again, it's a wound to the stomach and there's a lot of lack of that. Most of his patients are not allowed to um, move much for those first six to 12 weeks. So he's going to send them to us. We will do multiple sessions a week with them and see if we can actually return them to normal function in less time than they would normally require. So um, our device has really become sort of an innovative tool in one specific space. And that is because our device works a little bit better at communicating specifically with the nervous system, neurological diseases uh, like multiple sclerosis have become a big part of our um, acumen and our clientele. So we have uh, MDs who have multiple sclerosis, who've used our device to help them manage their disease. And they're now telling their patients about it. Um, and those patients are starting to purchase the device to use at home or work with a physical therapist in the same way to, to manage their symptoms, to improve um, their actual function in, in daily life. Our goal is that we continue our research and, and sort of find all of the ways that we can use this device. But I think the multiple sclerosis field has kind of shown us that we have this huge capability within the ne literally neurological disease space that other uh, electrical stimulation devices just don't have. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that because the way that you're talking about it, like, it's like, oh, this sounds amazing. Like what, what was it that the founder did? Like what had him sort of go away from how things were being done? Like what was his process in creating this innovative tool? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually kind of a neat story. I'll, I'll try to summarize his story because it's, you know, it's a very personal one, but he was a um, collegiate hockey player. He was basically told, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to be out for the rest of the season. Like you may not be able to come back by the next one. And he was frustrated and he was talking to different kinds of therapists and they were kind of like, yeah, that's it. And he um, came in contact with, at the time it was someone, it was a chiropractic neurologist who said, you know what, there's kind of a new approach that let's see if this will work. And he had basically what would be like a very, very early version of what we have now. Um, so not as high power, not quite as fancy, not, you know, the tech was just not as advanced. This was 15, 20 years ago, but same idea using direct current and using movement. So it's not just the device itself, but the actual therapy practice that you use with it. It's the type of techniques that you use with the device. And it, um, working with this chiropractic neurologist, he actually was able to get back onto the ice within like three months, didn't ever have surgery, was back in by the end of the season, all the things he was told he would never be able to do again, he was able to do again. And that was kind of the light bulb that he said, oh my God, like this is incredible. And so he was an engineer, <laughs> that was his training. So um, he took that idea and, you know, basically worked with that same chiropractic neurologist and like set up shop in the back office of this, this guy's place and started trying to come up with his own version, you know, improve on what he had seen in the current versions. And ultimately that's what became the newbie device. Um, I think the beautiful thing about that is because he had this kind of personal experience, he was never afraid to just try it. 
So we've had people come in um, who have, you know, conditions that basically no one's ever tried to, to work on. And he's like, well, let's see what happens. Let's try it. Let's hook up our device. Let's try it this way. And if it doesn't work that way, let's approach it a different way. Um, and so, you know, we have a lot of protocols and we have a lot of sort of ways that we approach specific diseases and specific conditions that have been developed over a really long time. And that's a lot of what we share in our clinical education programs as well. So when someone buys our device, they're not just getting the device and then told, okay, go use it and like slap these electric electrodes onto somebody and just electrocute someone. It's here's how to use our device in the right way, depending on what that patient walks in with. And here's, you know, the new fit method is much more than just the technology itself. So it sounds like number one is healing and speeding up healing. Have you done any yes. quantitative studies that have shown for, you know, that for certain kinds of injuries, the speed up is two to four times faster for other kinds of uh, conditions. It's three to six times faster. So can you, can you share some anecdotes or even better, some data from some studies that, so our listeners have an idea of just how effective this is. The cool thing about being on this podcast right now is to say, we just launched our research program about three months ago. So we do have a bunch of studies, um, but they're all in process. So I can't really speak to the findings on those because these are basically, that's it. We're running studies. We have patients who are going through with our device, patients who are not. And I am happy to sort of detail what a couple of those are. However, we have lots of anecdotal evidence. Um, and then, you know, my, my goal as the director of research is to make sure that these studies really show us whether those anecdotes equal those quantitative numbers that you're talking about. But uh, I think probably the most exciting and fun example we have is we had a woman who uh, she was wheelchair bound. She had had a uh, equine accident. She fell off a horse and was completely paralyzed, uh, had been in a wheelchair for over 20 years. She came to us, you know, kind of was like, I've tried everything else. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll give this a shot. And she worked with NuFit for two years after the first session. She went home and that evening for the first time in 10, 15 years, she actually felt her legs. Um, she could move them, but she could actually feel them. And over her two years of working with NuFit, she now walks with a walker, which for the most part, when somebody is wheelchair bound and, and has been wheelchair bound for that long, they're not told that they're ever going to be able to walk again. Wow. Um, yeah. So we know, you know, like I said that is sort of like our prize pony anecdote, but and that's why I say it's like a great one. It's a flashy one. Um, but we certainly have a bunch of smaller anecdotes that come from a similar era that's, we get a lot of people who have given up hope, right? They've said, I've been told that I'm never going to get better. I'm told there's nothing I can do. And we say, well, let's, let's see if we can help. Um, and so far, I don't think we've ever had a time where we were not able to help at all. So those are the fun anecdotes. Um, in terms of the studies, though, I think, I mean, as a scientist myself, it's really important that we really do have these quantitative measures. So um, to give you an idea of where we're going with these studies, we have a multiple sclerosis study going on with a hospital group in Colorado. We have a, a study for stroke. So especially looking at balance. Um, so after somebody recovers from a stroke, if they're having, you know, if they've got um, weakness on one side, a, a lot of times they're balanced and, and they're balance system is affected. That's called the vestibular system. Um, so we have a pilot study with Baylor Scott and White here uh, that is looking at 
if we can improve outcomes from stroke for, for patients that are inpatient. So if they're staying at a facility for a month to try to improve before they leave, can we cut that hospital stay time down by using our device? Um, we also have a study, uh, we have some, some more physical therapy focused studies that are with some groups in Ohio that are based on like, you know, if somebody has a, a knee issue or a hip issue, can we improve the time to recovery? And we do actually have some very good quantitative data on improvement in those kinds of times of recovery that we are currently in the process of putting into a publishable form. Um, but what I can tell you is that in terms of number of sessions that people have to have in recovery from these more orthopedic injuries, the number of sessions is less. So they, they average like two to three sessions less um, which depending on how many sessions they saw, that could be a third less, which is actually a really big deal. Um, and then we have some more academic studies that are fun um, that are more looking at how our device affects muscles. So I mentioned that we, we have a lot of physical or personal trainers that use our device for actual like bodybuilding and personal training. Uh, we have a, a, at University of South Florida, there is a excellent professor there who is doing multiple studies to show whether our device is actually affecting blood flow, muscles, how it's doing that at the cellular level. And, uh, and that's actually finishing up pretty soon. And I'm really excited to get the, the findings on that and get those out to the world. Those are wonderful examples. And, you know, now I feel totally guilty for wondering, could this help me recover from orange theory fitness faster? Because I got my vaccine and <laughs> waited my two weeks and I'm still going to classes with masks and distancing and doing all the right stuff, but I wanted to get back and working out. And I swear my hamstrings just won't heal from all the lunges they make me do in there. And I'm already thinking this, but the paralysis story and the stroke story were much better than my story. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, the answer is yes. I mean, we, we, even in our own clinic, we offer basically recovery sessions. So someone who comes in and even if they train with us or if they train with someone else, we have, as I said, because we can use frequencies differently. So if you use sort of a training frequency, great. But then we have recovery frequencies. Um, and, and I like to, I, I think this is a cool visual when you think about these different electrical frequencies. Training frequencies tend to be lower frequencies, which cause bigger spikes. And that causes an actual contraction of the muscle, right? So if you're training, you want your muscles to contract. You want them to engage. But then when you're done training, you don't want them to stay contracted, right? We've all, like stretching is you're trying to lengthen the muscles back out. You don't want to stay in sort of that tight contracted phase. So we have, then if you switch to those recovery frequencies, those are higher frequencies, which cause basically those, those spikes in the waves kind of even out. And when you do that, adding that allows the muscles to relax and allows the muscles to lengthen back out. So you could absolutely use it as recovery from orange theory. Um, but, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's, we have kind of the, like the tear jerking stories are definitely a little bit more, Yeah, those are bigger for us. Um, and I think, you know, really for us as a business and, and especially for the clinics that we work with, the big thing is that we have a lot of physical therapists. I mean, we have a group that's actually doing a research study for us now that the guy who's running the study was super skeptical when we got him I and, mean, you know, we sent him a device, we said, see what you can do with it. Like, let's see. And he was like, yeah, I'll see if this makes any impact. And he's actually got the best publishable data so far. And his practice is ordering more of our devices. Cause they were like, wow, like we're actually reporting tangible improvements in just one visit. They're changing their whole focus where they're giving up other types of therapies and actually making this device their own centerpiece. Um, and they're, you know, seeing a tangible improvement to not just their own practice, but the 
patients' lives. So I'm already hearing that what you'll have to tell us the time frame, but you know, in six months, 12 months, 18 months, when you're starting to get some of these the data back in, we can invite you back on to give an update. So Absolutely. transitioning from things being anecdotal to being data driven. I want to hear from you, you know, because they brought you on in this new role. What is your vision for the future for New Fit for five years, 10 years, 20 years? ongoing? Like, what do you see as the potential of this technology? I, I think a kind of simple way to put it is, uh, you know, in my role. So yes, I was brought on about six months ago, the company, we were about four years old. And the company is at a place where, you know, we are selling devices, and we have sort of carved out these niche spaces for ourselves, like, we're really popular in the um, personal training world, and we're really popular with MS patients. But ultimately, it, you know, that speaks to that core tech, um, and that's great, but I want to find more ways to use this device. I think, you know, the fact that our anecdotes span such a broad range of conditions tells me that, like, we are just breaking the surface on what we can do with this, especially, you know, as I said, being that it's not just a device, but it's the combination of the device with physical therapies, with manual work, with all of these other methods. So my goal as running our research program is to figure out what those are. Uh, you know, is this device really going to make uh, change the world in terms of how we approach neurological disease? I would love that. That would be super cool. It's possible. <laughs> um, could this be, you know, ideally, would this would be a device that you would want to be in every physician's office? Um, I've actually spoken to some some colleagues of mine who are in the military who who've indicated that they're interested. You know, they would like. They say, you know. MDs tend to do sort of the manual therapies. They, they do a specific thing, but they have nurses and they have, you know, other like physical therapists who are kind of doing that, that in between the maintenance work. And so I would love for every MD to have someone in their office who knows how to use this and is using this to help their patients recover faster, move on faster from uh, an injury, whatever that may be, whether it is because they had to have surgery, whether it was because they actually got, you know, injured playing sports, whether it was, they are dealing with a disease that has physical symptoms. So yeah, my goal is basically, I want to find, find all the cool ways that we can use this device. Um, and, and it's kind of, I mean, in some ways, is a little bit of an intimidating question because so far we, we haven't run out of ways that we can use it. The other thing is, is also making our tech more accessible. So we're in the process of releasing our, our basically newbie 2.0. Our first version is out, but um, you know, and it has a certain price point. Uh, we're going to release Newbie 2.0 later this year. It's going to be smaller than Newbie 2, the first Newbie. It's going to be a little less expensive, which means it's more accessible to larger groups of people. Um, but again, that also speaks to just the ability to get this into more groups into different people as if it's smaller, better, faster, right? Like that's what all tech is trying to be. But that allows us to reach larger groups. Well, this sounds super exciting and we really appreciate you joining us and we look forward to having you come back in the future and share some of the results of your research studies. I, I, I'm super fascinated by the use of tech to augment the human body in any way. And we've, of course, we've been doing it since the very first surgery was performed, right? So we, right. we make tools, we do things to the human body to save lives, to protect us, to improve conditions and such. But using electronic tech to do some things is, is really fascinating. And I'm sure we're just scratching the surface. So look forward to having you come back and sharing more with us. Yeah, I, uh, you know, biohacking, as, as the term has become, is a fascinating concept that like we're, you know, again, if we think about the body in the same way that you think about a computer system, 
the same way that we try to fix a problem in a computer. It's, you know, can we, can we find ways to do that? And for, for me, I think the big thing is, can we find non-invasive ways to do that? And I think this is where, as we go forward, I mean, you're seeing it now in surgery. Um, surgeries are getting more microscopic, right? They're less invasive. They're trying to use technology so that you're not having to do these massive, you know, if you had open heart surgery and your entire rib cage is open, that's, that's a huge trauma to the body that half of the time that recovery alone is what causes it to be so, such a long recovery. So if you're able to use technology so that you could go in through a small tube or, you know, whatever it is that allows our ability to biohack to be simpler, less invasive, that means that, you know, we're, we're making a better contribution to the body without, without as many side effects. So uh, that's that's one reason I was very excited to actually work with this company is because everything we do is not invasive. It's there's very little risk. <laughs> yeah, that it's true. The uh, biohacking community is fascinating, and of course, it ranges from things like this to to chemicals and, and supplements and things, and it's it's all over the place. But I like your point here about this being non-invasive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I can't wait to show the data. It's definitely something that you know research takes time and. Uh, and so I'm just excited that we have, I mean, we have about eight studies that are ongoing and once they're done, I will be doing my best to get that data out there in the world and, and you know, be absolutely ready to talk more about it. How can our listeners learn more about this? We should probably, we should probably spell out your domain since it's not what they may have thought they heard. First place to go is our website, which is newfit, but it's N-E-U dot F-I-T. And from there, we have information on both our clinic here in Austin, um, as well as our device itself. Um, if you're interested in the research side, we're actually uh, revamping our website at the moment, and there will be some pretty extensive uh, in-detail information as to what the studies are that we're doing right now on our soon-to-be new shiny website. Uh, we also, if you're more of a social media person for finding information, you, we have a great Instagram that's um, very regularly updated and that's at newfit. So N-E-U-F-I-T-R-F-P. And those are the two biggest ways. We're also um, trying to move into sort of the new social media of Clubhouse. So our founder has hosted uh, a couple of rooms on Clubhouse. I'm intending to host some soon, but that's, you know, more event here and there. Those two ways are probably the best, the website and our Instagram. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming and joining us and sharing about this. I agree. I'm excited that it could conceivably both work for Jay's Thor aspirations <laughs> and my old body healing aspirations too. Um, and I think I'm always fascinated in innovative technologies that are also taking something that people have been using before, but doing, you know, going from alternating back to direct current. So really, really interesting and exciting to hear back about the data. Thank you so much for joining us for Thanks the Austin so Forum much. upload. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.